Kingdom Business Summit 2023 is here. And this is our biggest and best lineup of speakers we've ever had. This event is two and a half days of high level practical business training. The event is jam packed with the tools you need to scale up your business and deepen your walk with the Lord. Over the two and a half days, I will be bringing some business training as well as a hand-picked group of high-caliber speakers. There's a formal dinner where you can let your hair down and have fun with live entertainment. We will have a worship service where we get together, lift our arms, and praise Jesus. We will have a faith-filled prayer meeting, a networking space to meet like-minded entrepreneurs, an exhibitor showcase area, and we will finish with a time of prophetic ministry where you can get a word directly from the Lord. So if you're looking to scale up your business and at the same time learn how to deepen your walk with the Lord, then I invite you to join me for two and a half days of practical business training at Kingdom Business Summit 2023. This week's episode of the podcast is a little bit different. I'm actually taking you behind the curtain. I'm going to one of the client private trainings that we run, where we pull all our clients together every quarter and we run through how to scale up a business. But this particular section is about sales. You know, I find sales is one area of business that Christians generally don't perform in. And so that's crazy, right? Because you've got to actually make those sales and close those deals to be able to scale up your business. And so in this episode, we get really, really practical around scripts, around mindset, around processes to make sure that you're turning more of your prospects into high paying customers. All right, let's watch the episode. How do we get more people to say yes? Remember, I've, I've kind of drawn this picture out for you before, right? But if that's all of your leads, every business has three groups of leads. There's the ones that were always, always, always going to say yes. They had already made their mind up that they didn't care who they were speaking to. They were going to say yes and buy from somebody today. They're a yes, right? That's it. They're, just, they're buying today, right? That's... You could have no sales process, a crappy product, but you opened your eyes that morning and went to work and they're buying from you, right? And likewise, there's a group of people that it doesn't matter what you do, we're always, always, always going to be a no, right? They had no intention of buying. They were just filling time or whatever they were doing, right? There's always those people. But then there's this group in the middle that were the maybes, and they're the ones that you can convince and drag over to be a yes. They're the ones that are keen, they're, got to, they're warm, they're unsure, but they're checking things out and they want to kind of figure things out with you and, and see they want to build rapport and do we connect and know you're a good supplier, right? They're those people. They're the ones that we're playing for here in our conversion rate. It's the biggest group, by the way, of the three. So a couple of things to increase our conversion rate. One is to add more value early in our sales presentation. So if you look at your buying cycle, some of you that could be 30 minutes, some of you that could be 30 days or longer, right? The time between their first experience of you, going to your webpage or calling you up or whatever, the time between the first experience 
and buying from you and actually purchasing, however long that is for you, I would go out of my way to communicate the value proposition much, much earlier in the sales process. Much, much earlier. So basically dragging all of the goods much earlier in the conversation. And reason being, all it does is get people more excited sooner. That's it. So, the, so that doubt that they might have through your sales process drops away because they get more excited. I'll give you, we'll do a few different examples so that I can put it into different contexts for you, right? So for example, let's say, let's say you were the type of business that prospect calls you, you book a meeting, you go and see them three days later, gather all your information, come home, prepare a quote, go back and see them two weeks later. Let's just use that as an example. Well, when I say bring the value earlier, I would be like, if, I'm book, if, if I have a call with them today, so today is Thursday, let's say that I book a meeting with them on Tuesday next week and I'm going to go and see them for my first meeting. I would be like, okay, how can I stack value early? It could be that I immediately book the time, send the confirmation, and then one hour later, an automated email goes out that says, this is what makes us unique, right? And, and, and this is our value proposition as a company. And you email that to them early rather than waiting until you're there to tell them, right? So that's kind of like one setting. If you're the kind of business that goes to site to measure up and then you come home and prepare a quote and email it but you don't go and have a second meeting, which means you've got less opportunity to sell, then same thing. How do you stack value early? Because they don't know whether you're any good between phone call and getting the quote. So why wouldn't you early on in the conversation, like you can imagine if you, were, if you went to site to do the measuring and then it was going to take you three or four days to send the quote to them, why don't you go into site to do the measure, and then as soon as you get back to your desk, trigger an email to them that has 14 client testimonials in a video with an email that says, it was great to see you on site today. I'm busy preparing a quote. In the meantime, here's what some others have said. Bring that forward in your sales cycle to get that juice to them early. All right, let's, let's do a different setting. Let's say you own a jewelry store. Random's walking in. Whole sales cycle is between 20 and 35 minutes. It's different. There's no proposal. There's not a quote. Someone's just come in to buy something in a retail store. So you go, okay, well, what makes us unique as a jewelry store? And you go, well, it's because we offer twice a year, bring your jewelry in and we clean it and we absolutely guarantee that all of the gold is ethically sourced and no kids died buying, getting the diamonds or whatever it is, right? So whatever your value proposition is, customer walks in and you would normally, you would normally say those things three quarters of the way through your presentation because that's when you always do it. I'm like, how do I stack that really early in the conversation? So, hey, thanks for dropping by the store. Do you have something in mind or are you just kind of hanging around, whatever, so you engage with them, and you go, now Mary, I just want to get a couple of things out to you early. Um, feel free to look around, but I, want, I just wanted you to know up front that, that anything you find in here is ethically sourced. We, we do not take any diamonds from anybody that's been harmed. 
The other thing is, it doesn't matter what you buy from us, we would love an opportunity to clean it to make sure it's sparkly and nice. Twice a year, you can literally unannounce us, call in, drop it off, pick it up, da da da. We just do that because we absolutely love our clients. Right, now what is it you're looking for, right? Why wouldn't you, do, why wouldn't you stack that early? Because now they're on a journey with you and they're like, oh, you're giving to me before I've ever even... It'll make a difference in your conversion rate. So find the value propositions and drag it much, much, much sooner in your sales presentation and you will see that more people get brought into whatever it is that your products and services are. Oh, hey, I hope you're enjoying this week's episode. Listen, I'm just here training a group here in this room, but I need you to subscribe to my channel. Guys, do you think they should subscribe to the channel? Yeah! Guys, please, subscribe. The amount of times that you guys will, you know, field the inquiry, do the research, prepare the quote, site visit, whatever it is that you do in your business. You do all of that work, and then the follow-up gets the least. Doesn't make sense to me. You've earned the right to follow up really hard. So, now how much is too much? Just more than you're doing right now. Literally, just... Just ring them or drop by until they say yes or no. I literally have a rule that says yes is great, no is good, maybe sucks for everybody when it comes to selling. You say yes, that's great. If you say no, that's good. If you say maybe, that sucks for both, because what's what people, people say maybe when they don't, when you haven't done a good enough job of selling, that's what maybe means, right? So if they say maybe, you're better off to push them to a yes or a no than let them sit at maybe. And if they are a maybe, because there's only one profile that will do a maybe legitimately, and that's the C profile person, right? They'll come out in hives if they have to make a decision, right? But if they do need to think about it, it's 24 hours. Anybody that says, oh, follow me up in two weeks, what they mean is you haven't given me enough of an information to make a decision and it's your fault, not mine, but I can't say it. That's what they mean when they say I need to think about it for two weeks. So, so when I say like intensity, I mean, I mean you can go way harder than you think you can. So if you send a proposal, you ring them that day or the next day and you're like, Hey, Bob, it's Wes. Hey, listen, I sent that proposal to you yesterday. Have you had a minute to look through it? No, I haven't. That's all right. Everyone's busy. How about a run through with you right now? Have you got two minutes? Oh, I don't have two minutes now. Now I get it. I get it. I'm as busy as you are. When's a great time for me to call back and run you through it? Oh, I, I, I'm happy. If I just run through it. Okay, great. How long, do you, how long do you need to run through it? A couple of days. Cool. I'll ring you tomorrow. Think about it. If somebody does that to you, you're not offended. You might be like, well, that's okay. Well, I'll have no news for you, but you're not offended, right? Now, if they say, I can't make a decision until I've got a board meeting, board meeting's 10 days away, I'll be like, okay, great. I'll ring you on day 11, but I'm ringing them on day 8 and 9. Hey, you got that board meeting coming up? That's what I'd be saying. So if they say, if they say I need a day to think about it, I'm like, yeah, I'm ringing you tomorrow. When I ring you tomorrow, I'm saying, hey, have you had a chance to run through it? Yes, no, whatever. Deal with whatever comes up. 24 hours later, ring, ring. 
Hey, Bob, it's Wes again. Listen, I was just going over that quote that I sent you. I've got a cost-saving idea. I just wanted to run it by you. Have you got 30 seconds? You know how we said this thing? There's a chance that we could do it this way and it costs you a little bit less. I'm just getting myself back in the ring, right? Conversation, okay, I'll think about that. No worries. Next day, hey, mate, I was just driving by. Thought I'd drop in. Are you there? No, okay, great. No. Next day. Hey, listen, um, that, uh, that quote I sent through, I actually just had this crazy idea. I reckon we could do it better than we've got it right there. With this little bit extra, if you spend a little bit more, I could do like 20% more, blah, 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 blah. Next. You may think that's extreme. You're already doing extreme. Well, if they need me, they'll ring me. They said they needed two weeks. That's extremely stupid. <laughs> right? Listen, if you don't do it the way I'm talking about it, and you've got to find your way of doing that, if you don't do that, you are forgotten, I promise you. We don't live in a world where people are sitting around with the quotes next to their desk to review. They've got, everyone's got too much on. If you're not top of mind, they forget about you in one day. So you've just got to be on the hunt. You've got to be that pesky voice. And, and, and it's funny because, I mean, my world moves at a million miles an hour and being a D profile, quite impulsive. I love it when people treat me like that. Because I'll be like, not answering, not answering, not answering, talk, not ready, not ready, not ready. And then one day it'll be the right time for me to give that two minutes to make a decision. And then the person rings, and I'm like, yep, let's go. But I couldn't have made the decision before because, you know, like there was, you know, for, for example, they call me, they call me, they call me, and on the fourth day, they catch me driving, and I've got time on my hands to go, oh, yeah, I'll take that call now, bang, yep. Yeah. I, I wanted to buy it, just like I had too many moving parts. Now you've called me at the right time, it's a Yes. Whereas the time before I was in a meeting and the time before I was doing something else and the time, it just wasn't right. Now people go, oh, I've tried them three times. They're obviously not keen. Really? Is your life moved that slow that that's how you think others are? It, you just ring them until you get a yes or a no. Finally ring them on the sixth time and, you talk, and they're like, listen, yeah, we've decided, hey, listen, Wes, we're not going ahead with you. Okay, awesome. That's better than a Maybe. Hey, what was the reason? Oh, uh, you know, just uh, whatever. Oh, it sounds to me like you don't really want to tell me, but it, it would be so much better if you did because we would get better. All right, well, this is the reason. Hey, okay, yeah, that's a legit reason. I'll ring you tomorrow. There's plenty of times you can win back clients who say no. You know, that discretionary effort of really intensely following up will get more yeses. And let's be totally honest, it will also get more no's. And it will upset a few more people. But I can't take, I can't take not upsetting people to the bank to pay off my loans. Does that make sense? On the weight of balances, I would rather annoy Eight people who hate me if it means I sell to two more of the maybes that weren't going to make a decision. 
Because on the weight of balances, I'm better off. Do you know what happened with the world population this week? We went over 8 billion. Why would I care about the 8 that are offended? Just go get some more. But I care about the two that were not going to make a decision, that my intensity made them make a decision, and they said yes, and now I can take some of those monies to the bank to pay off my loan. That makes sense? But we give, people, we give people too much time for one of two reasons. One, you haven't got a system for doing diligent follow-up and you leave it too long. Or two, you're scared to be a pest. Do not be scared to be a pest. And if you deliver it in a natural way, you won't be a pest, actually. I love it when people are super diligent following me up. I won't answer them a lot of the time, but I still like it because I'm like, they're still ringing, like, I'm going to get to that. And then the stars align at some point, and I'm like, I've been meaning to all along, but I've been ghosting you for nine phone calls, and every time I see your number, I want to buy from you, but it's not the right time to answer the phone. That's what happens to 93% of your customers when you follow them up. They want to buy from you, it's just not the right time. And they're not ghosting you. You just haven't followed up with enough intensity and rung them at different times to say yes. So literally, right, you call them, right, you get their voicemail. Hey, Bob, listen, it's Wes again. Um, we didn't have a booked call, so no problem that you didn't answer. I was hoping to catch you about this thing. Listen, I know you're busy. Don't worry about calling me back, but I'll be ringing you back either later today or tomorrow. All right, cheers. Hang up. Right, now he knows. He's thinking, oh, I read a bloody ring him back because he's ringing me tomorrow anyway. Right? So then I send an SMS. Hey, Bob, that was just me. Uh, no stress, no urgency to get back to me, but I've got a crazy idea about how we can save cost saving on that quote. Yeah. Now they want to ring you. So now, and then I email. Hey, I just had this brainstorm. And then I call again tomorrow. What I'm doing is I'm laying assets and nets because he, here's how life actually plays out. They don't answer six phone calls. I send two SMSs. At the second SMS that was sent at 12.43 that afternoon. Fast forward to 6.49, and the person I send it to goes for a poo. Specific. This is, well, I said this is how life plays out. Like, that's a real thing, right? So on the phone, because, I mean, that's, that's where most people look at their phone, right? Which is disgusting when you think about what you do with your phone afterwards. But they open up their messages and the one, they realize that there's a blue dot next to the one you sent earlier and now they read it. And now they've got the discretionary 45 seconds to type, hey, sorry, Mr. Call, ring me at 11.30 tomorrow or whatever they say, right? But if you don't ring and you're not top of mind and you don't send the SMS, they can't find it later. And if they don't poo, then you're not going to get your sales, right? <laughs> but you're, you're, if you don't, if you don't, like... Like, literally, the, chan the chances of catching someone are far higher in the moment if you've left. Like, like, find them on Facebook Messenger and send them a message. Because then they're scrolling through Facebook Messenger, looking at their grandkids, and then they see yours, and that's the moment that they can write back. Right? If it's not there, they can't do it. They'll forget you. So intensity is the answer in your follow-up. 
and you will get more no's and you will get more yeses. And both of those outcomes are okay. Eight billion people in the world. Just get that one to a yes or a no. Go find another one. All right, let's keep rolling. One of my favorite things to do if you're the kind of business that does a proposal, even if it's not a flashy proposal or, a, you know, or an e if it's just an email with thoughts or, or if it's a proper bound proposal, is offer to take them through it on the phone. Doesn't always work. Not all places will let you do that. But if you can do it, it's really, really cool because you will always sell stronger than a document will, right? So, you know, you can imagine, like, like I'm a really big fan of, if, <clears throat> this is not relevant to everybody, but if, you, if you're this kind of business where you go, take a lead, book a site visit, go do the site visit, come back, send the email, here's our value proposition, and then you call Bob and you say, hey, Bob, I'm, I'm just about to do my proposal, but I want to book a call with you to run through it. Can I chat with you today at 4.30 or tomorrow at 5.15 or something like that and run you through a proposal? So you book a call in. Then you call Bob and you're like, hey, all right, let's run through a proposal. Are you by your computer? Yep, send. Right, and you hear, ding, have you got it? Yep, cool. So open that up. All right. And then you run through. Now, you'll notice a bit about us is this what makes us unique and this is our meet the team and you know, that thing you said to us the other day on site where you said that was a real concern of yours, that's where we've addressed it in the proposal. So you can't write that in a proposal, but you can say it on a call. Hey, and now I remember, Bob, that you also said, listen, site access can be restricted on the Saturday. So what I've actually done is I brought more team in on the Friday to get the work done so we're not there on it. It's like, far out, you were listening, all those things. You can't say that in a proposal, right? You can't communicate a lot of that stuff. That's why you will outsell a proposal. So then as you're running through the proposal, you get to the end, there's one question. Yeah. So Bob, the only thing left at the end of this proposal is to say, when should we get started? You know, like, like just lead them through it. Lead them until they say yes. I'm a big fan of, if you want to increase your conversion rate, to run them through any kind of proposal. Whether that's, if it's like, even if it's like an email with three points, <clears throat> ring them up and run them through it. Your conversion rate will massively increase just by taking the time to do that. All right, another strategy for increasing your conversion rate is to write better scripts and ask more questions. Write better scripts and ask more questions. I'm assuming that whoever does the sales in your company has a documented script to use. If you don't have that, then you have an ad hoc process and they always produce ad hoc results. You actually want to have a scripted sales process. These are the things I say throughout my presentation. So. Just like I used that example before for the jewelry store, you can change the script to get a better outcome. And so one of the cool things you can do is if you've got a script that you use during your sales presentation, whether that's, whether that's 40 seconds because you own a news agent, 
right? That, that's, the long, that's the length of a sales cycle for a news agent is 40 seconds. Or whether you sell earth-moving machinery and it's two years, there would be words that you use in your sales cycle. You can just start testing and measuring new scripts. So you have a script that works, and then you go, right, actually, if I, if I add this in earlier, or if I add that in, or if I... I stop saying that and I start saying this, I wonder what happens. So you rewrite the script, you run it on the next 10, 15 leads, and you see whether that got you a better or a worse result. And then you write a different script and you see if that got you a better or a worse result. And you get better and better and better at getting the result you want. And that's way more science than most people use for selling, which is, well, I just jump on the phone and shoot the breeze with them which is a really, really bad strategy for sales. You know, as a consumer, as a buyer, the more structure there is in your sales process, the more I'm inclined to buy. If you feel robotic, I have comfort that I'm not the first one. If you're all over the chip shop, as a consumer, we can sense that and we go, I don't know that you've thought this through or I don't know that I can trust you because you can't lead me because you don't have a process to get me somewhere. Whereas if you actually have a structured sales script that says we ask this and then we do this and then we ask this and then we do this and then we ask this, actually we'll get you a better result. You obviously need to make sure that there's a human element so that it doesn't become boring to say. You know, if you're doing a hundred of these calls in a day and they're that scripted, it's very easy to sound flat. It's your job to make sure that you bring just as much energy to call 96 as call one, which is easily done. Just decide you have more energy and you'll have it, right? That's easy. But actually, write some better scripts. And obviously, if you've got a long sales cycle where you have four interactions with a, with a prospect, then you write, there's four different scripts in there. This is the one I use at this point. This is the one I use at this point and then work on them individually to make them better. Let me just give you a couple of like really, really, really granular things that I think really matter in scripts. One of the things is, um, is like conversation softeners. So you might say, you might say, you know, Bob, how many widgets would you use in a week? That's one way of asking. But you'll get a phenomenally better re res uh, response if you go, hey, Bob, can you just tell me, how many widgets would you use in a week? They're softeners for the conversation. And they don't feel like these people are getting peppered, and they feel like they're being taken on a journey, and they're a bit more endearing. Hey, Bob, can you just tell me, how many widgets would you use in a week? Rather than the gruff peppered with just question after question, right? And there's another softener that most people don't use at the end of a sentence or at the end of a response, right? You go, <clears throat> hey, Bob, can you just tell me how many widgets would you use in a week? Ah, oh, well, we're about 25. Awesome. Thanks for telling me that. That makes a great difference. Next question. It's, it's funny. Americans, that's how they talk, actually. In America, they add a lot of other things around their conversations that actually make communication a lot easier. We tend to just go, eh, 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 in our in our communication, right? 
You add those softeners at the front and the softeners at the end, and you will enroll them in your journey 200% more. You know, you go, hey, thanks for telling me that. That's really important information for me. Next question. Just soften it down. Otherwise, people can feel very, you know, can feel cold. You ask a question, I answer it. You pepper me with a question, I answer it. This is getting really repetitive and I don't really like it anymore, is a subconscious conversation for a prospect. You just kind of, just soften them down. Yeah, so with your scripts, you can test and measure. And the second part is more questions. It astounds me the amount of salespeople that tell their prospect what they want to tell them. And, and the, if you go to telling, you're not selling, and you will shoot yourself in the foot 50% of the time because you're telling them what they should be thinking. And it's 50-50 whether you're right. If you ask very well-crafted questions throughout your entire sales process, you can never, ever be wrong because it's their answer. And then your job just simply becomes matching up product to problem, right? So if you've worked out their problem through questions and you've kind of worked out that this is the product to meet their problem, you can ask questions to facilitate them coming to the realization that they need your solution, your product for their problem. But you can ask questions the whole way and then you're basically... The, you become a consultant for them rather than a salesperson because you just have their best interest at heart and you're gathering information as you go. But most people don't ask anywhere near enough questions. If you slow down the front end of your sales process by asking more well-crafted questions, you'll speed up the yeses because they automatically know, I like you, I trust you, you ask good questions, you've thought this through, you're leading me, we're in rapport, I'm ready to go. More questions. They basically, nothing should come out of your mouth that doesn't start with who, what, when, where, how, or why. That's the opening line of, of everything that comes out of your mouth in the sales process. Asking well-crafted questions. Thank you.